Heavenly Father, we come before you today with thankful hearts. We are humbled to know that you are always there to take care of us. Open up our ears today to hear your word. Prepare our hearts to truly understand your word. May your spirit teach us today about what contentment truly means and that it comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Reveal to us today the truths of your scripture. May we leave here today fully trusting in your promise to complete the work you began in us. May we truly find peace, knowing that you will supply all our needs. Be with us today, Father, as you guide us through your word. Amen. Our title today, I've said the word already, is contentment, okay? My question to you today before we get started is, does anybody know what our greatest want is? Does anybody know what our greatest want is? Our greatest want is to be content. Our greatest want is to be content. Contentment means a state of happiness and satisfaction, okay? That's like the way I feel after eating my favorite meal. I eat my steak and potatoes, right? I got my warm apple pie after. I'm pretty content at that point of time, right? I maybe you're not a steak and potato guy, so or maybe it's when you finish your laundry, right? Everything's folded, everything's done, the house is clean, right? <laughs> or for some people, it's when you finish your homework, right? Got five pages to do, homework's all done, right? Ah, that moment, right? Or how about when you finally finish the do-it-yourself project at home? It's been going on for a while. House has been a mess, right? But all of a sudden, it's done, right? Everything's cleaned up, right? You're on the couch, relaxing, drinking your iced tea. You're like, I did that. Look, it's all done. Look, it looks just like the picture. Think about that. So when we think of being content, we think of being full or satisfied with something. So what does it mean to be satisfied? What does it mean to be satisfied? And how much is enough? What would it take to make you content? What would it take to make you content? Would it be a million dollars? Someone wrote you a check, a million dollars, here you go. Would, it, would that even be enough? What about a newer and bigger house? A newer and bigger car? A newer and bigger TV, right? You gotta make the wall in your house bigger so you can fit this TV in there. Would that make you content? Or would it be becoming the president of Apple Computers? You're up there at the big desk, right? What do you need? Right? President Apple Computers, right? When we think of being content, we usually think about possessions that make us content. What are situations or circumstances in our life that make us content? Situations and circumstances in our life that make us content. Think about it, church. We are content when situations in life are going our way. We are content when life is easy. We're content when life is peaceful. We're content when we're making progress in our lives, right? What makes us discontent? What takes away our happiness? How about when you're at work or you're at home? You go to turn on your computer, 
takes like 30 minutes to boot up. I was at work the other day, I had to call the IT guy. I booted on my computer, the screen turns black, it changed everything on my desktop, and I was like, oh my gosh. 45 minutes later, I finally get to start work and I'm sitting there. I know I got 30 emails, I saw them when I first popped open the computer. It takes away your discontentment. How about when you sit to eat that steak dinner and it's tough, it's overcooked, right? You bite into it, oh, it takes away your discontentment. How about when we sit on the couch, right, go to relax, Go to flip on our favorite TV show. It's no longer on the air for that season. No more TV show, right? How about when they release the iPhone, right? New iPhone comes out. We realize that our iPhone is outdated. doesn't have those things that the other iPhone has. Right? How about relationships? How about difficulties in marriage? How about loneliness and being single? That's me, I, I deal with that. Not married, trying to figure out this whole situation. When life is difficult, obstacles come our way, times are financially tough, on a tight budget, we're under a lot of pressure from work, family issues going on, right? These things tend to make us discontent. Or how about when we're suffering from physical ailments, when our body's hurting? When we're going through a learning process, right? New school, new job. How about dealing with a sick loved one? Or how about becoming sick yourself? Trying to learn to deal with that. Dealing with your own health problems make us discontent. It is our circumstances in life that can change very quickly, right? Circumstances in our life can change very quickly. And we struggle through the many changes in our life. We learn how to deal with difficult situations and circumstances that life brings our way. And in these times, during these adversities, we find out if we are truly content in our lives. It is during these grueling times that we learn how surprisingly fragile our contentment is. And we find out if what we've been seeking satisfaction, our security in, truly works. The thing we've been trying to use to be content, we find out if it's truly working, right? I'm going to let the cat out of the bag to start with, okay? All right? The title of the sermon is The Secret to Contentment. And the secret to contentment is, it is Christ alone that is our secret to contentment. It is Christ alone that is our secret to contentment. True contentment can only be found in Jesus Christ. Without Christ, we waste away and wither and are blown away like leaves in the wind. Go read Psalms 1 a little later. Talks about that. It is the sufficiency of Christ that gives us the strength to persevere. Christ is the greatest treasure of all time. Christ is that pearl of great value that's talked about in that passage. Christ is the pearl of great value. The title of today's sermon, like I told you, is The Secret of Being Content. The Secret of Being Content. So church, if you could stand with me as we honor the reading of God's inerrant, infallible word. The scriptures for today, they're in your bulletin too, or you're going to open up your Bible to Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Philippians 4, 10 through 13 says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. 
You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Please be seated, church. For those of you taking notes, our three points for today's sermon are, one, contentment learned. Two, contentment lived. And three, contentment in power. So contentment learned, contentment lived, and contentment empowered. So as we look at this text, we have to remember that Paul was imprisoned at this time. Paul was most likely imprisoned in Rome. Acts chapter 28 talks about when Paul went to Rome, okay? You can read about that. Paul had been in prison for about 10 years by this time, okay? A lot of time has passed. And in Acts 28.30, it talks about Paul being under house arrest. And it tells us that Paul was living in something like an apartment at his own expense at this time, okay? Ten years being in prison, right? Yikes. Our text today starts in Philippians 4.10. Philippians 4.10 reads, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Paul begins this paragraph by stating that he rejoiced, right? But not only did he rejoice, but he rejoiced how in those verses? Greatly. He rejoiced greatly. Notice Paul rejoiced in the Lord, right? In the Lord. And for those of you that have your Bibles open, if you kind of go back to Philippians 4.4, you could see it. It's Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 4.4 to do what? To rejoice in the Lord always. And in Philippians 4.5, he told the believers why they should rejoice. Because the Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is at hand. Remember, the Lord is always there with us because he is closer than our breath. Paul rejoiced because the saints at Philippi had revived their concern for him. The word revived, it means to bloom. It means to blossom again, like those flowers in your garden that come out of season and into season. Are that beautiful rose that you love that's sitting in the front and the flowers start to pop out, it blossoms. Paul was once again on their minds and hearts after all this time. So they sent Paul a gift, and it was a monetary gift. In Philippians 4.18, it talks about that gift. We're not going to go there now, but it refers to the gift as a payment, okay? It refers to it as a payment. So we're back in Philippians 4.10, okay? And in Philippians 4.10, Paul chooses his words carefully as he says, they had no opportunity. Kind of weird. They had no opportunity. Which means they either had no funds, or maybe they had no one to deliver the gift. The reason here is not truly fully revealed to us. Paul is joyful that they sent him a gift. He is grateful that they are concerned for him still after all this time they're thinking about him. They had remembered Paul in the past, and Paul is still on their hearts to this day. 
although Paul is overjoyed that the Philippians remembered him, Paul's joy is truly in the work of the Lord. Paul says that he rejoices in the Lord, or when he says that he rejoices in the Lord, he understands that God is sovereign, that God is in control of all events that happen in life. Paul trusted that God providentially controls everything, okay? Everything, even the sending of that gift, even the sending of that payment that he got. And trusting in the providential control of God is critical to maintaining our contentment. I'm going to repeat that. Trusting in the providential control of God is critical to maintaining our contentment. Our first point for today is contentment learned. Contentment learned, right? Philippians 4.11 reads, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul, who believed that God is sovereign and in control of everything, wanted to let the Philippian believers know that he did not need anything. Why was that, you guys? Was Paul being ungrateful right here? Was he being ungrateful to these people? Not at all. Paul was not being ungrateful to the Philippians for the gift that was sent to him. Remember, Paul just finished rejoicing greatly, right? But Paul wanted to teach them why he was content. Paul was content because he had faith that God would provide for him. And Paul was going to share the secret of his contentment with them. Paul was going to share with them what life's experiences, what life's struggles, life's good times, life's bad times had taught him. Paul wanted to let the Philippians know that the grueling lessons of life had allowed him to learn contentment. Paul wanted to let them know that all the difficulties that he had been through, they were not in vain. They weren't in vain at all. The word content means pertaining to be happy or satisfied with what one has or with the circumstances in which one exists. So happy or satisfied with what one has and with the circumstances in which one exists. Paul makes it known that he has learned contentment. What Paul has learned is that God was taking care of him and will always take care of him. It says in Philippians 4.19, Philippians 4.19 reads, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours. Paul had learned about the all-sufficient Christ whose riches are what? They're immeasurable here. Think about Paul's situation, right? He's been in jail for about 10 years. It would take a lot of grace to make us content like Paul, who was in prison for so long. We all know that contentment does not come naturally to us. No one needs to be taught to complain, right? We complain very quickly with never being taught. True contentment has to be cultivated. True contentment has to be refined. True contentment has to be learned. Has to be learned. True contentment only comes from God. God enables believers 
to be content in the midst of any situation or circumstance. In the book of Hebrews, it reads, Hebrews 13.5, Hebrews 13.5 reads, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember, God says that he will never leave you nor forsake you, which was quoted directly from Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. This is where Paul's focus was. Paul was focused on God's promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Do you truly believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you? Think about that. Do you truly believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you? If we truly learn that no matter what situation we are in, God is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us, then we can be content in all circumstances. Then we can be content in all circumstances. So, we learn contentment by, we learn contentment by remembering that God is sovereign. Trusting that God is in control of everything. Trusting in the all-sufficiency of Christ, whose riches are what? Immeasurable, church. Knowing that true contentment only comes from God, who will what? Who will supply all our needs. Let's look at how Paul's life experience taught him contentment. Our second point is contentment lived. Contentment lived. So first he learned, and then he lived it. Philippians 4.12 says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Contentment can only be demonstrated by living through a variety of circumstances and situations. By starting off, Paul says, I know. The verb know here means to possess facts about something. Paul now speaks about living through a variety of circumstances and situations. He talks about what? He talks about being brought low, and he talks about abounding, right? Being brought low means to be humbled. means to be humbled. Paul was humbled by living with very little or nothing. Paul also learned how to abound. To abound means to have excess or to have an abundance of things. It means to have too much, too many toys, right? To truly understand what Paul has lived through, let's take a look at some of his life experiences because Paul's life experiences, they speak for themselves, man. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. 23a to 20, 27. Stick with me, church. It's kind of a lot of verses, but I'm sure those will catch your attention. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. We just read, what, four verses right there? This is not an exhaustive list of what Paul has been through. It's a lot, right? So let's, we're going to stop. We're going to go slow. Let's go. We're going to look through these verses again and see what situations Paul actually lived through. So Paul lived working tirelessly for the gospel. Paul lived in prison, was beaten, beaten so bad he almost died. Paul lived through being beaten by authorities to the full extent of the law. Notice it said 40 minus 1. Because it was unlawful to beat somebody 40 times. So five times they went and they beat him 39 times. Paul lived through being beaten by people or crowds with rods for preaching the gospel. Paul lived through being stoned and left for dead. That's what Paul lived through. Paul lived through being shipwrecked and left to die drifting about at sea. Can you picture Paul? He's got two pieces of wood he's hanging on to. He just got beat the other day, right? Stone last week, right? And he's hanging on to this board thinking, what's next? Right? He lived through, Paul lived through traveling, which was very dangerous at that time, right? There's no planes, there's no trains, you know, there's no cars. There's no pay phones you could go and grab. Hey, you know what? This guy is coming after me. Paul didn't have anything like that, right? Paul lived through people trying to rob him. Think about this. Paul lived through his own friends trying to hurt him, the Jews. Not only that, but Paul lived through danger from the Gentiles. So the non-Jewish people he was trying to share the gospel with. He lived from danger from them. Paul lived through people trying to swindle him, steal from him, his false brothers, right, that it talks about. Paul lived through sleepless nights because of danger and hunger and thirst. Does this sound like a life you would be content with? Does this sound like a life you would be content with? Stop and think about that for a moment. I can honestly confess that this is not a life that I would like or want. How in the world can someone be content in all these circumstances? But it is only in circumstances like these that we can demonstrate true contentment. It is through the difficulties and adversities of life that we are to be content. The reality is that during these difficult situations, contentment seems like the most impossible thing to demonstrate. It seems impossible. Honestly, church, as I look through the list and truly reflected on the adversity Paul had faced in his lifetime, I wondered what it would look like if I were to sit down with Paul. Think if I sat down with Paul and told him about my difficult life situation. I'm like, Paul, I had a tough time last night. I was on my iPad computer, right, type, trying to finish this sermon. It got late. Paul, you know, I got this job. I walk into this office, all air conditioning. Sometimes the people are mean to me. I'm not married. Paul, these are tough situations I'm dealing with, right? Imagine me walking up to Paul and telling him these things, right? Paul, can you believe it? The steak my wife cooked last night. 
tough. It's tough, Paul. <laughs> how would he react when I asked him for some advice on how to be content in my difficulties? What would he tell me? What do you think he'd tell me, you guys? This brings us to our third and final point. So stick with me, right? We're almost there. Point three is contentment in power. Contentment in power. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse is commonly used amongst Christians these days. You see it on t-shirts. You see it on bumper stickers, right? Runners, boxers, football players, they use this verse to encourage themselves. One thing we must understand about this verse, this is not a blank check from God that gives us the strength to go out and accomplish crazy things in our life. You ever turn on some of those crazy things? Like cliff diving, this guy's like, we don't know if he's going to make it, he's going to dive off this cliff, right? He goes and does it anyway. Are people that run triathlons. See, I start out and I ride my bike 40 miles an hour. And then I run for another 20. And then I got to swim 15, right? I used to watch these strongman competitions. Anybody ever watch the strongman competition? These guys were crazy. They hold buckets like this big, full of quarters. Like, see who, how, how long can we hold this up, right? Like big old tires on those big old vehicles. They'd be like, oh, we'll roll these over. We'll flip it over like the hard way. I will tie a rope to like a semi to try to drag that thing, right? These are not what we're talking about here. In the context of these verses, Paul is talking about being content. In the daily struggles that come about in our Christian walk, the trials and tribulations that come with life, Paul uses simple, concise, and direct words in these verses. He starts by saying, I can do all things. I can means to be able to do something to have the power to do something and the strength to do it. When he says all things, he is referring to being content at all times. So Paul is saying that he has the power to be content at all times. Paul gets straight to the point and lets us know that his strength comes directly from his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul lets it be known that the secret to him having the power to endure all situations he has been confronted with in life has been given to him by the Lord. Notice in this short verse, there is no boasting by Paul. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? There's no boasting. In fact, Paul makes it clear that the only way he has been able to accomplish anything is by the power of the Holy Spirit who has given Paul the strength to be content. To be content throughout all the adversities he has experienced and will continue to experience. Remember how Paul started this letter? Back in Philippians 1.6? Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul found contentment in knowing that Christ would continue to work in him until the day he went to heaven, just like he is working on us. Paul continued to persevere in his work for the gospel. Why? 
because he trusted that God was continuing to work in him. Notice, Paul never gave up during his lifetime. No matter what situation came his way, no matter what catastrophe happened to him that day, Paul continued to press on in contentment. Just like Christ empowered Paul, Christ empowers us to fight temptation. The fact that Christ empowers us allows us to fight the temptation to complain. It allows us to fight the temptation to envy others. It allows us to fight the temptation to focus on what is uncomfortable or inconvenient or to focus on what is wrong with our circumstances. Contentment empowered allows us to fight and focus on God's faithfulness, God's mercy, and God's strength. I'll read that again. Contentment empowered allows us to fight and focus on God's faithfulness, God's mercy, and God's strength. We must know that in Christ, we already have the supreme treasure. Remember, Paul is not striving in his own strength or his own energy. The key to Paul's contentment in the present and his hope in the future is Christ's presence, which gives him the strength to be content. Paul's contentment and sufficiency came from his union with the adequate and sufficient Christ. Church, we must understand that there is no quick fix, that there is no shortcut to contentment. True contentment does not come from counselors or therapy or self-help books. It only comes from Christ. It only comes from Christ. In Timothy, it says, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, another short, sweet verse, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Is there anything that Christ cannot do? Do you believe that he created all things as the scriptures declare? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he upholds the universe? Do you think that he can strengthen you to be content in every circumstances? As we walk through those questions, do you think he can strengthen you to be content in every circumstance? And the answer is an emphatic yes. Yes, he can. Is what Paul's driving to us here. Colossians 3.2. I think this is our last verse for today. Colossians 3.2 reads, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Remember, church, what we went through today. Think about these things. Just think about these things as I read them. The Lord is at hand. Right? The Lord is at hand. God is in control of what? Everything. God is sovereign. Christ is all-sufficient. The riches of Christ are what? Immeasurable. True contentment only comes from God. His promise, He will never leave us nor forsake us. 
His promise, the work God began, He will complete. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The last one I want to leave you with is God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And church, these are the promises of God. Let me pray. Let me pray for the ending of our service today. Father, help us today to truly find the contentment that only comes through you. Help us to set our minds on heavenly things and not to be discontent in our situations and circumstances. May your promises continue to resonate in our hearts, not only today, but throughout the weeks, months, and years to come. Help us to remember that our strength to persevere in the most difficult of situations comes only from you. Help us to remember that you are sovereign, that you, God, are in control and not us. Father, empower us through your spirit to be content in any and all circumstances that come our way. May the sufficiency of our almighty Lord and Savior cause us to cling to your word and truly find hope in your promises during the most difficult circumstances of our lives. May we find contentment like Paul to endure the hardships we encounter in our daily lives. And may you strengthen us to keep our eyes fixed on you. May it truly be Christ alone that we find our contentment. Amen.